This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 339, recorded on Tuesday, October the 10th, 2017. Uh, it's Tuesday, everyone, because yesterday was Thanksgiving in Canada. and Canadian Jason, Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, but up here we don't have to call it Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> we can just call it Thanksgiving. I call it Canadian Thanksgiving. Do you? Yeah, I usually, yeah. Well, no, not really, but sometimes I say Happy Canadian Thanksgiving, everybody. Okay, well, I mean, to most of our listeners who are not Canadian, I guess it would be Canadian Thanksgiving. But suffice it to say, it was a holiday for us, and Jason and I both had commitments you know, family and eating related that we had to yeah. take care of yesterday. So we did. And that's why we're recording a day late today. So sorry about that. But I had, uh, I definitely had food commitments that I could not, uh, I could not pass up. Are you, uh, are you all full of turkey and stuffing and potatoes and green beans and stuff like that? No green beans, but uh, turnips. Oh, good. Stuffing and potatoes and uh, turnips and carrots and uh, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. I love a good Thanksgiving dinner myself and we, we, we ate similar things and had a good time. Um, and then I had leftovers today. I'm very happy. You might have leftovers for all week. Yeah. I'm going to, I better, uh, I better eat a lot. There's only a few of us in the family and I made all, all the fixings myself. So, uh, we've got a lot of leftovers, like 90% of what would was cooked yesterday is leftovers. <laughs> so, uh, we got to get through that somehow. Uh, I'm sure you'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'll let us down in the eating department. Nope. Uh, someday I want you to cook me a Thanksgiving dinner, Jason. Sure. It's not hard. Well, all right. So next uh, next year, just let me know what time to be there and we'll show yeah. up. Yeah. You just uh, show up. Yeah. You throw the bird in. Wait. <laughs> that, that's the hardest part. <laughs> the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> it really is. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving to any Canadian listeners out there. We got through it and... Uh, Next up is Halloween and then Christmas, so we'll uh, got to get through those too. Uh, before we get going today on this week's episode of Fear the Walking Dead, there's uh, one, well, a couple things I want to talk about actually. First is really quick, Walker Stalker Con Atlanta is coming up in a uh, couple of weeks now. It is the weekend before Halloween. I'll be down in Atlanta for that. I'll be there from Thursday the 26th all the way through until Monday. And if you want to meet up, we are going to get together on Saturday, the 28th at the hotel bar in the Omni Hotel at 6 p.m. So I'll be there. My wife will be there. I think there's very little chance she won't be coming, um, but she's planning on coming. Jason from the uh, Walking Dead cast will be there. A bunch of other people will be there. So come on by to the bar. It's the same place we did it last year. If you're going to be at the con, it's it's a good time. So I just want to remind everyone of that. That's Saturday, October 28th at the Omni Hotel Bar at 6 p.m. Sadly, Jason, you won't be joining me, but maybe you will again someday, some year. Someday, some year. I have a suggestion for you, Chris. In the spirit of Halloween, mm -hmm. what you should do is just before you leave the house is you should uh, dress up as a clown in full clown makeup and try and get through border security with your passport. So I should try to go through security at the airport in full clown getup. Yep. And see if you get in. I mean, do I need face <laughs> makeup? Oh yeah, absolutely. Full, yeah, full white face. Because I don't know how to do that. 
I need, I'll show you. I need you to do it. If you're willing to do it, I'll do it for you. <laughs> do, you do you think it would work? I have a feeling it would not work. Well, no, it absolutely would not work. You, you can't get on but a plane as a fun. Well, I don't know. I, the, the real question is, how long would they detain you? Yeah. I'm not sure I want to find out the answer to that question. And then I won't, I won't teach you how to take the makeup off. Because <laughs> that's a whole trick as well. It's not just like get a wet wipe and... Uh... Oh, God, no. It's grease paint. You want proper clown makeup, it's uh, it's grease paint. You can't get that off with just soap and water. You'd be there all day. <laughs> as funny as that would be, it doesn't really <laughs> sound hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You know what... Um, For me. What do you call that stuff? Uh, Goo Gone? You know Goo Gone? Yeah. That's essentially what you have to use to get clown makeup off. Is that safe for your face? Uh, well, they give you, you can buy clown makeup re- or, you know, makeup remover, but it's basically goo gone. Hmm. I'm sure it, it, it'll work. All right. Well. You can also use margarine if you really are hard up. <laughs> so, so I'm going to walk up to border security at the airport in clown makeup, try yep. to go through. They're going to detain me. And the first thing I'm going to say is, do you guys have any margarine? Yeah. Or goo gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure that would go over well. I want to actually get there, so I don't think I'll be doing that, but that would be funny. It is right. Halloween after all. Mm. So anyways, I just wanted to say October 28th, the Omni Hotel Bar down in Atlanta at Walker Stalker Con. If you happen to be going or in the area, uh, you don't have to be at the con to come to the bar. So swing by if you want to say hi. We'll be having some drinks and having a good time. Last year at that very event, I ended up sitting down at the bar right beside michael emerson from lost and having a nice oh. conversation with him nice yeah that was I, I probably talked about that on the podcast last year but that was super cool to be honest he was such a nice guy and uh and we talked about his career and lost and he was there basically because of lost and so yeah. it was really really fun oddly enough this week i just restarted uh watching the first season of Lost. Really? For the I fourth? Just, uh, I just watched the uh, the numbers episode where we first got introduced to uh, Hurley's background. Cool. Well, that's yeah. that's a few times you've done that, right? Lost. This is the third time I've gone through, I've watched the, the series from beginning to end. Nice. Uh, in addition to initially watching it during the initial run. Right, 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 right. So you've seen it a bunch. Well, Michael Emerson yeah. played played Ben, leader of the yeah. others. And Next uh, season, uh, yeah, spoiler, but uh, next season, <laughs> uh, uh, Michael Emerson will uh, will show up. He's not in the first season. No, that's right. Uh, okay, let's let's move on so we can get into the episode. There's, um, uh, there's a couple of follow-ups. I, well, one follow-up and one sort of Walking Dead news item that I want to discuss here off the top because I do think it's kind of a big deal. And people will be expecting us to talk about it. And that is the uh, announcement that came out at New York Comic Con this past weekend. So, of course, you know, second biggest con in uh, North America, if I'm not mistaken, if not second, third, pretty near the top. And there's always a huge Walking Dead panel at this convention. In fact, it's so big now, they've moved it out of the convention and into Madison Square Gardens. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a big deal. And the panel was the panel, pretty straightforward. They did show uh, a clip from the episode, uh, I believe, from the season eight premiere. I think they actually showed the opening scene. So uh, they've, they've done that in the past. But the big news is something that Robert Kirkman said at the panel. And I'm just going to read what he said here. You're going to read his lies? I'm going to. Well, yeah, <laughs> let's let's get to that. He said there are two Walking Dead shows. 
one character is going to go from one show that I will not name and appear on another show that I will not name. He then added, this is a huge event in the world of The Walking Dead, and we are very excited about this. There's going to be some more news on this front in the coming months, so please stay tuned to what they call the internet. (laughs) (laughs) This thing they call the internet. That's right. So he sat there on that stage and said, Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead will be crossing over. They'll have a character go from one show to the other. We don't know what you know, we don't know in which direction that character will go or what character it will be or when it will happen, although he seemed to indicate that it'll happen within the next year. So that's not too long to wait. That's basically season eight of Walking Dead or season four of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, so as you mentioned, you can't really take anything Robert Kirkman says seriously. And when I heard this news, that's basically what I said when I posted it on our Facebook page. But then later in the day... AMC comes along and officially releases some artwork teasing this very crossover. So this is real. This is a thing. Robert Kirkman wasn't lying. We are going to have a Fear the Walking Dead, Walking Dead crossover. So there you go. Uh, Jason, did you get the link I sent you? Did you see the artwork that, uh, that they released where they sort of, it looks like a ripped sheet with the two shows artwork kind of coming together? Yes, I did. Yeah. All right. So what do you think about this? So we're officially getting a crossover after months or years of everybody saying, no, you know, they're different time periods, they're different shows, they're telling different stories. We're not going to cross over. Suddenly here they are doing it. Uh, yeah, they're going to, well, one of the char- one one character. So I have, uh, I'm kind of glad, I'm going to step back here. I'm kind of glad that they're doing this, but I'm also kind of worried that they're doing this. And I think they're going to do it in a way that will not impact either show. And the way they're going to do that is they're going to introduce a new character to both shows that will temporarily be in both each of the shows. So there's going to be a character that shows up in Fear the Walking Dead for a little while. And then that same character is going to show up in The Walking Dead for a little while. And then they'll go away. Do you th- really see? I hadn't really considered that option. I mean, when he said that a character from one show is going to go to the other show, he's being vague in that he's not trying. He's telling. He's not telling us who or what or anything like that. So you think it's somebody we've never met before, and it's yep. specifically going to be this character specifically going to be created for this crossover purpose, which in my mind is a bit of a cop-out. Oh, it's absolutely a cop-out. The only way this works is if it's John Munch. And do you know who John Munch is? I do not. He's played by uh, Richard Belzer, uh, who is a he was one of the cops on uh, Law & Order, and he's the most crossed-over character in uh, TV history. Uh, he shows up everywhere. He's been a, he's, he's been a Muppet. Uh, he's... Uh, <laughs> There's all kinds of like just look up John Munch on uh, on the internet and you'll see the list of so many shows that he's been in, uh, and it's just a gag, right? John Munch shows up in, right. in every show, so I think the only way it works is if uh, if they add a new character, which does which won't seem like a cop out to me, is if it's John Munch. It won't be, but that'd be fun. Well, I have a problem with that because I don't want them to to do that because that makes it the most kind of insincere version of this crossover that they could do because they're inventing a character strictly to do this and 
they're not even pretending that the reason they're doing it isn't to try to pull listeners or viewers from one show to the other show, right? The idea here in my mind, and I realize this is a little bit cynical, is that they're probably doing this to try and boost the ratings for Fear the Walking Dead. Because as we know, they're nowhere near Walking Dead ratings. No one needs to boost Walking Dead ratings. There are 12, 15, 16 million people per episode, whereas Fear is now hovering around 2 million. Still pretty good, but but nowhere near main show eyeballs. So I know, guys, let's do a crossover. Let's bring a character from the main show onto Fear. And then some of those listeners will come and watch Fear to see what that character is doing. If it is a character they invent just, just for this purpose, first of all, I think it's not going to work as well if that's what they're trying to do. And second of all, it just seems so sneaky and manipulative. And I don't yeah. like that at all. No, I don't like it either, but that's what I think they're going to do. Like, what was Michonne going to show up in Fear of the Walking Dead for a little while? Well, that's the other question. How do they do this? Is it a flashback on, you know, Walking Dead? Is it a fear time jump forward so they get into the same sort of time frame? Because the main show is years ahead of fear at this point. So yeah. is it a character that disappears off fear and then shows up in the future, kind of, on, on Walking Dead, you know? I When you say I flashback, know. do you mean like in the Walking Dead episode, we will have a flashback, which will include the character that's in the Walking Dead and all of the Fear of the, Fear of the Walking Dead characters? That's what I mean, I think, yeah. So we have a you, flash... So actually, you don't mean that we're going to have a Fear of the Walking Dead episode with this character and then a Walking Dead episode with this character. We're going to have a Walking Dead episode that will flash back into Fear the Walking Dead. That's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. Okay. I hadn't considered that. Right. See, that's that was my first thought, is that Walking Dead, a character will show up, or or it'll be a character we know already, maybe not one of the primary cast, but like, what if, what if they flash back telling Dwight's story or something like that, and... Uh, backstory for some reason and they flash back to to the beginning of the outbreak and suddenly there's he's hanging out with you know Travis and Madison maybe before even Travis was dead or here's the other thing there's also information out there now that they are going to do a Negan backstory episode and Negan backstory could come from anywhere maybe he you know started his zombie uh, post-zombie life on the West Coast and moved East. I don't know. I've now read the Here's Negan um, backstory book, which is out. Yep. So I, I know his backstory as it was told in the comics at this point. It doesn't appear to be, uh, you know, it's not obvious that, that that would be it, but it easily could be. So that's the other thing I'm thinking is maybe somehow it's Negan and they cross over him five years ago or whatever it is on the West coast. And then he moves East. Uh, but that's what I was thinking. Main show flashes back, telling a character's backstory to fear essentially, right. which, uh, which I wouldn't mind as much. I certainly wouldn't mind that as much as them just inventing a character that they're going to drop into both shows. Cause I don't like that idea at all. Yeah. So maybe Alicia will just show up in, uh, in the walking dead. Yeah. Right. And then the big question is, well, how did that happen? 
right? And then the rest of uh, Fear the Walking Dead will know that she doesn't die, but we just, we want to know what that story is. How do you get from A to B? Right, right. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if she never reunites with, with the, the her family and she she truly stays off on her own or with this new character that we're going to talk about later on today. Maybe uh, she'll be missing an eye and have a bionic arm or something. It's like, wow, what happened there? And that's the whole thing. <laughs> well, hey, bionic arm and no eye and, you know, half shaved head. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, good, good old cyborg story. Totally. Sub, subplot. Cyborg subplots always work. Always. Dear dear writers of the TV universe. That's right. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Cyborg <laughs> plot lines always work. Anyways, that's the deal. We don't know what it's, what, you know, how this is going to work or what's going to happen, but uh, it sounds like we're, we'll find out sometime in the next year or so, according to Mr. Kirkman. Uh, so, I don't know. Um, if they're going to invent a character for this explicit, you know, event, what'll happen is we'll have to wait till next summer to have Fear the Walking Dead for the character to be introduced. And then uh, the year after that, the character will show up in uh, The Walking Dead. If they do it that way, yeah. So it'll be season four of Fear and season nine of Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see that. I could see it going that way for sure. Uh, all right, one more email here real quick. Uh, Vicky in California sent an email, and this is, this is the follow-up I mentioned on uh, using the F word in, uh, in the show. She sent a link to an article that contained this quote from Fear the Walking Dead showrunner Dave Erickson. He said, you get a specific number of curse words you can say, and then there's a list of what you can and can't do. I think it was our script coordinator told me there was an email had come up. There had been a memo saying we could now say fuck twice over the course of an entire season. So you're allowed, at least for now, you're allowed to say it. He he went on to say, so here's a spoiler, there will be one more later in this season. <laughs> That's stupid. I agree. That's a stupid rule. You can say fuck twice. I agree. It seems weird and arbitrary. Like, why twice? Why uh, just allow it or don't, you know? Yeah, it... it... <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like you can show, you know, uh, the front half of a penis or the back half of a penis. You can't show the whole penis on the same episode. You can show the front half of the same penis on two different episodes or the front half on one episode and the back half on the other. Uh, but you can't show the back half twice. You just, you, you know, that, that's just going, that's too far. We've got to draw the line somewhere. Too far. The back half twice. Too much. Yeah, and that's it. From the side. You can't show it from the front because okay. then you'd see the whole penis, right? Unless you're just looking at it right at the tip and then it's pointed right down the penis and all you see is the head of the penis. That'll count as the front half of the penis. Like these, all these rules are just stupid. You're still looking at a damn penis, <laughs> right? I, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no matter what. So yeah, it just, it does seem kind of arbitrary and stupid and just a... I don't know. It's like they, it's like, well, we can't let them say fuck all the time because if we do that, then they'll just, you know, they'll start an episode and they'll say fuck, 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 fuck. And just, that'll be the whole thing. And, uh, you know, writing will suffer. So we'll have to put the brakes on so that they still have to write their episodes. It's, it's dumb. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, There's no reason to say you can say fuck twice in a season. Just allow it or don't. I mean... I don't know. We'll. I assume he knows what he's talking about, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe somebody's maybe, being power hungry. They're like uh, they're they're being a very petty 
king or, or queen, right? They're just like, I'm going to allow this, but only with conditions. Yeah, because I say so. Yeah. Maybe, though, it comes down to the fact that, you know, if you read Negan in the comic, that dude uses the F word quite a bit. And maybe they're worried that the writers will go hog wild and, and we'll get like 45 F-bombs an episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and that might be a little much. Yeah, it just, it seems like a weird thing to put rules on. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't know. I mean, just make, allow it and, and move on and people will use their discretion, I think, you know? Most people know how to do that, so. Yeah, but other people don't. Ah, uh, the other people want to show the whole penis all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, that's, that's just the way they are. <laughs> it is the way they are. Uh, anyways, thanks Vicky for sending that in. We'll just have to see. We'll have to see how many f bombs there are in in season eight after it starts, if any. You never know. Maybe they won't go that way at all. I'm not sure. Maybe they're just saying "fuck you" to the fuck, fuck. <laughs> That's too many fucks. Luckily, we can we can say "fuck" all we want on this podcast. Yeah. Very lucky, <laughs> amongst other things. All right, Jason, let's take a quick look back at uh, last week's episode with some listener feedback. Listener feedback. All right, quick one here. Uh, David in Florida, I think, writes in. Um, and David says, the one thing that stuck with me from the last episode was Alicia's forearm tattoo. I could be wrong, but I hadn't noticed it since season one when she first etched it into her skin. Um, so I, I must admit, Jason, I don't remember exactly the details on the tattoo. I remember the symbol. I remember seeing it in last week's episode. But... If I recall, she was just drawing it on her arm with pen, which isn't going to last forever. So let me ask you a question. Is she okay. is she redrawing that tattoo on her arm constantly to keep it there? Or if you press hard enough with a pen, will you permanently tattoo yourself? Uh, maybe and no. No. So you, so you asked me two questions. So the first one is uh, maybe she's drawing it on. Maybe uh, I think maybe it's a tattoo that faded because she got it when she was 12. I, I have no idea why. Uh, it definitely would not stick around if you draw it on, even if you draw it on hard enough. You actually have to have the ink penetrate the top layer of skin and go into the, uh, into a fat layer underneath. Eef. Yeah, okay. Can't just Because then you'd be gouging it, right. right? You'd be gouging your arm with ink, and that's just asking for an infection. Right. So you can't do that with a pen. So she either actually has that tattoo there, which I didn't realize. I mean, the character does, or, um, she's continually redrawing it. And, uh, you know, if it's only been a few months, then I, I guess she could be doing that. Why? Wouldn't yeah. you get bored of that? I'd get bored of that. Oh, I, I would too, for sure. But I don't know. She, she started drawing it because of her boyfriend, remember, who died. Yep. So maybe she just keeps doing it to commemorate him. I, I don't know. But I did notice it in the episode. Well, I know, but, well, he's dead too now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they all, they all die and everything, but, uh, you know, would she still be redrawing this ink uh, fake tattoo if, uh, you know, she got a new boyfriend? It, maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, but it, it was there. So uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I got to think maybe she actually has that tattoo and she, she got it pre-apocalypse and it's just there now. Um, but again, I don't know. I haven't really noticed it much. Maybe she's yeah. been wearing long sleeves. Hard to say. We'll have to keep an eye out for it though. We'll see as the yep. season wraps up and goes into next year. 
Thanks, Dave, for that. David, Ben in London, UK writes, I just wanted to write in and talk about something that bugged me in episode 13. Nick needs a way to distract the horde, and they need to get in there with the walkers. So they just gun their truck down there. He already knows a great way to do this. He spent so long wandering among them covered in their gore, it's like he's totally forgotten about that huge chunk of his experience. There would be no easier way to set the place on fire and rescue the people in the basement than putting on a fresh layer of zombie guts and just strolling in. Idiot. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Now, obviously, this episode this week that we're going to talk about, they get back to doing that, which makes it even kind of dumber that they didn't do that uh, for the ranch. Uh, and to me, I think it kind of feels like uh, one of those situations where the writers are doing something that's a little bit more convenient for the story, because maybe it would be too easy to have Nick stroll in there with the camo the uh, gormiflage on. And so they decided, no, we're going to we're just going to let them drive in and screw it all up instead, um, which is kind of annoying. But what can you do? The only real explanation for that is uh, maybe Nick forgot that part of his character sheet at home. And the DM was saying, "Nope, if you don't have it with you, you can't use that spell. Right. You didn't bring it. So you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's your own damn Maybe fault. next week. You can remember that part of your character sheet and we'll let you use that spell. Obviously he did. The only that's other the, that's the only thing I can think of. Well, the only the only other thing I thought of is that Nick does put the whole um burden onto Troy to come up with a plan to save them. I think, you know, Troy is it's this is all his fault and he seems, you know, kind of down on and depressed and and Nick says, look, you know, you've got to figure this out. You caused this. You have to come up with the solution. And so Nick is kind of unwilling to help at that point. So even if he did think, if I just cover myself in zombie guts, I can walk in there. I'm not going to do that because this is Troy's fault and he needs to come up with the solution. So Nick decided that this was a good teachable moment. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it may not make any sense because he's putting everyone's life at risk. But yeah, he put, and to the point where a lot of people died. Uh, right? Yeah, plenty. So, uh, yeah, okay. So wrong teachable moment time, Nick. Oh, I, I, I agree with that, but that's just one theory I could come up with because yeah. I can't think of any other reason that he didn't decide to go for the uh, gormiflage. What's the other word we had for it? Um, uh, well, I don't know. Oh, shoot. I forget now. Anyways, we'll, uh, yeah. try to think of it later. Meat coat? <laughs> Some kind of zombie meat coat? No, there was gourmiflage and, um, shoot. I don't know. Anyways. You'll think of it later. Yeah. You think Frank Delane brought this up, uh, you know, on set and they're like, shut up. Yeah. Just re read the script as it's written. <laughs> Do your lines, man. <laughs> <laughs> Do your lines, man. And then get out of here. <laughs> we don't pay you to think. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> uh, i don't know maybe you I, I would hope so i would hope he actually has that kind of input too well you, or you know, at least is brave enough to bring it up say right. look uh you know why wouldn't i use this skill that i have yeah Stench this code. knowledge that i have to save the day without anybody getting killed in a way that is much easier than trying to hide in a helicopter <laughs> right Stench coat. It was stench coat. Stench coat, yes. Gormiflage or stench coat. Both acceptable yeah. terms. 
Uh, all right. Uh, thanks, Ben, for that. Next is John in Connecticut. And uh, John did send in a longer email, but I, I pulled this uh, excerpt from it. John writes, I'm getting tired of the B-movie gags on this sh- uh, in both shows. Why do they feel it looks good when a zombie explodes like a water balloon? Why did Ophelia's ears ring when she shot the walker by the fan, but Alicia can fire an AR and still hear fine? One other thing that made absolutely no sense was how long is the duct work if it was going to take an hour to crawl through? If it was that long, one fan would never be able to move air that far, and if a walker was able to get lodged in the fan, then there must not have been any type of grate covering the intake, which means that air would be able to enter. So as Ophelia got closer, she would have no problem breathing. It's these kind of inconsistencies that show poor planning. Uh, poor planning on the design of the uh, the bunker, well, or poor planning on the uh, writer's behalf because they're they're just doing things to be. Oh yeah, this this kind of thing is creeping up in both shows where the the writers are doing things uh, specifically to be dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like where the fuck did the tiger come from at the end of the last episode of The Walking Dead? Yeah, the, yeah, the finale. Just out of climb the fence somehow, climb the wall, sneakily ran up and attacked that one person that's been that was in the middle of a crowd. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's what uh, that's what John is getting at. He's 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 meaning that they're sort of shortcutting things, right, for dramatic purposes. Yeah. Uh, and and last week's episode was pretty polarizing in that effect. A lot of people, myself included, really liked the episode, and I thought it was exciting, entertaining, fun. Pretty dramatic, lots of good stuff. Uh, other people sort of saw all these flaws with it, such as John, and, and couldn't take it seriously. So uh, it was one of those episodes where you sort of went either way on it. But I can see his point. You know, they are doing things like that that, in a way, don't make very much sense. And uh, that's too bad, but um, I don't know. I For some reason, I was able to just see it for what it was and kind of enjoy it, so... I, uh, I don't know. At the time, me too. But in retrospect, with the help of our listeners, yeah, what the hell, guys? Like, <laughs> like friggin' how about some continuity consequences and a little bit of realism? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you can only have so much realism on a zombie show, but you do have to have some. Well, yeah. Just, right? you know, give people, uh, if somebody's going to be somewhere, make it plausible. If somebody's going to do something... You know, let them have consequences. Mm-hmm. Or, it. you know what? Make it plausible is, should be the motto, right? Write that down above the whiteboard in the writer's room. Make it plausible. Yeah. It just has to be plausible. It doesn't have to be realistic. It just has to be within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Instead of having the sign that they do have, which is what the fuck are you thinking, Scott? <laughs> that's probably what they have up there right now. Well, maybe. You take that down because, you know, not everything is Scott Gimple's fault. Uh, no, but a lot is. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And he's now executive producer on Fear the Walking Dead, right? Starting season four, that's true. Okay, so yeah, it, it all makes sense. It's all his fault. Everything he blames on, we just blame Scott. Just blame Scott. Why not? Okay, well, let's move on into the next few e- emails here. Uh, there is a little bit more than usual about last week's episode. We will get into this week soon, but there's a lot of stuff I wanted to address here. So Brian in Louisville sent in some information on what it would take to suffocate in a sealed room. And he, he sent a link to an article about it as well, and which I'll post in the uh, show notes with this show. But the bottom line of the article is that one person 
in a 1,000 square foot room would likely survive for about 30 hours. But most people would need to be re rescued before 18 hours to avoid any long-term or permanent effects from uh, a higher concentration of CO2. So that's one person, 1,000 square foot room. You're, you're, not, you're still alive after 30 hours, not much more, but you'd have some long-term or permanent effects after about 18 hours. Wow. So I don't know what the square footage of the pantry was, but there was a lot more than one person in there. Yep. So it does kind of seem like, you know, her ability to do the math aside, all those people would be using the air at a pretty high rate. And I can't, you know, I don't know what the square footage was, but it can't be that massive uh, because it is an underground bunker. Yeah. Well, let's say a couple thousand square feet. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. So what's, what's your house? About 2,000 square feet, 2,500? No, it's not even. It's, uh, it's less than that. I have a small house. Right. Okay. So 1,500? Yeah. So there's four of you in a 1,500 square foot house. If your house was perfectly sealed and the four of you were in there, you'd last about 10 hours before you'd have to get rescued. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Sounds so about right. Sense. So if they're, if they're in a, say this is a, a big uh, bunk, underground bunker, let's say two or 3,000 square feet, maybe 4,000, 5,000 square feet. Let's give it 5,000 square feet with uh, 30 people. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's not a lot of time. That's five, six hours. No, that's right. And, they asked, and she estimated two. So um, she might not have been too far off, which yep. is interesting. But the next two uh, messages here have... Uh, thoughts on that as well. Pedro on in the internet writes in, and he says, remember that Alicia was headed to the University of California at Berkeley before the apocalypse hit. Berkeley is one of the top universities in the United States. She was depicted as a super bright student. It pr it's probably a little unrealistic that she can calculate that information uh, completely accurately, but it isn't that far from a realistic possibility that she can calculate a rough estimate. So back to our motto, make it plausible. And I think knowing that, that she was going to Berkeley, who knows what she was going to study, but I think that does make it plausible. And just to expand on that, I found a Robert Kirkman quote from June the 4th, 2015 in Entertainment Weekly. He said, Alicia is an atypical teenage girl. She excels at school. She's on her way to college. She's very self-sufficient. She's very self-reliant. She's kind of the model student and the model child. So she's a smart That's girl. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe she could, for some reason, know how to calculate that uh, error usage. Not even a little bit. Come on. I, I still ask, just because she was going to college still means that she has a high school education. Even if she had the best high school education available, it still wouldn't teach you enough uh, to be able to calculate how much, unless they specifically taught that in one of the classes, the formula needed uh, for that, which they did not teach me. And I went to a relatively mediocre high school <laughs> and I went, I attended one of the most unremarkable universities in Canada. Uh, Lake, sorry for anybody that is attending or did attend there, but Lake State uh, University is uh, not very good. For example, I was the only physics major in that entire university. <laughs> the only 
one. Yeah, but was there only like 65 people at the school? I mean... No, they had a couple hundred, maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, I don't know, man. I'm just... And I tried to drop physics because the physics professor went on sabbatical. The backup physics professor didn't uh, want to do it. So they pulled some guy who took physics in university to teach the physics, physics class. And on the first one, he drew the acceleration graphs wrong. And I lost all respect for him when I stopped paying attention in that class and I tried to drop it. You should have become the teacher. No way, man. I didn't know anything. No and, way. And he started off by saying, you're not going to learn anything this year. We're just going to teach you how to solve problems. Oh, good. Oh, fuck. That's just fucking wonderful. I'm quitting and joining a band. <laughs> and it all worked <laughs> out from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, to continue on this topic, Jenny in South Carolina writes, one, the ranch was built by doomsday preppers. I assume they thought they were preparing for nuclear war. That would mean the storage room would have been built to filter air before allowing it in. However, that's not how the system they crawled through should look if this is the case. So here she's talking about our questions on whether that fan, uh, that fan not running would actually seal the place off. So if there were some filters or something like that, maybe those would provide a seal and not let uh, contaminated air through. Yep. Um, but then she goes on to say, why did Alicia have to kill all those people by herself? Wouldn't it have saved some airtime if more people were doing it? And that's a really good point. Um, Alicia She's had, the only one who woke up. No, 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 no. When the people all stepped forward and volunteered to be murdered so they wouldn't be breathing anymore, Alicia, oh. they took them one at a time, gave them morphine and killed them. If they'd gotten 10 people to do that, they could have killed 10 people at once and they would have been breathing for that much less time. Well, that's because she watched Game of Thrones. And if you uh, pronounce the sentence, you carry out the sentence. Oh, you know, maybe she I wanted guess. to be more like Ned Stark than uh, Joffrey. Uh, get yeah, the dog to do it. You're right, the hound. Sorry, the hound. Yeah. Well, okay, I can see that. If 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 it's your idea, you have to follow through with it. Uh, but practically, there were a lot of reasons to get more than one person involved. Yeah, it's just a basically a continuation of the uh, "he who smelt it dealt it" uh, philosophy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> all comes back to farting. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks to you guys for writing in. Sean and in Richmond, Virginia writes, this episode was awful in terms of writing. Yes, it had action and infected and all the things we watch for. But in terms of plot, it was the worst one so far in the back half, in my opinion. Everyone in that pantry died except Alicia. Come on, Fear the Walking Dead. I know she has plot armor, but this is a little blatant. At least keep a couple other people alive. And yes, we get that the plan is to kill them off so the main group could move on to the next spot together, kind of. But they could have at least kept them alive and then killed them off, leaving the pantry by the horde or something. It wouldn't have been as in-your-face ridiculous. And this was one of the other big criticisms of last week's episode that, you know... Everybody died except our one main character. And why is that? And how did that happen? And what the hell? She has really good saving throws. Well, I guess. Uh, but it seems kind of ridiculous. And everybody else is an NPC, so fuck them. Yeah, I know. But that's the problem. Like, they need to keep it plausible. And there are people, pl plenty of larger people who maybe, or smaller people who don't use as much oxygen. I don't know. But they all died except for Alicia. So, you know. <laughs> Maybe she was hoarding oxygen somehow. Somehow. In her shirt. She's like. 
in her hiding, hair. Hiding extra oxygen in her shirt. Or she keeps it all bound up in, in all that hair she has. And Oh, shit. That, I think there's an animal that does that. An oxygen hair animal? There's, a, there's a, some animal that stores extra oxygen in their fur and or feathers. It might be a bird. I don't know. So that they can use it to breathe underwater. I think there's an animal that actually does that. Oh, weird. I, I might be making that up. It might be uh, something that I dreamt up. Don't, uh, don't those big, um, dock spiders, they can dive down underwater and then swim, which freaks the shit out of me, but don't they like store air bubbles under their belly or something so they can breathe uh, underwater? Yeah. Or maybe they uh, spin a web with an air bubble in it and then take that with them or something like that. Something I don't know. Fucked up like that. Maybe Alicia was doing something like that. Maybe she's a black widow. <laughs> Cause all of her boyfriends die. So maybe she, you know, just psychically kills them and can spin a web to hoard oxygen. Boy, that's, that's a stretch, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, if you're going to explain it somehow, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone for writing in about last week. Uh, let's move on now. Finally, boy, we're deep into this ep- podcast before we got to this week's episode, season three, episode 14. Sadly, no title read this week from anyone, but it was called El Matadero. And I'm, I, you don't need to write in with my terrible pronunciation of that. I already know it's bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't go. do any better. I'm glad you did it. There you go. All right, Jason. So this week, uh, you know, we did find out more or less what's going on with Alicia. We got to follow Madison doing some things and we had Nick and Troy going on a drug trip uh, there for a little while. But before we get into the specifics of some of these things, what did you think about this episode overall? And in general terms, I hated almost everything that happened. Oh yeah. I, I'm not going to go that far, <laughs> but I agree. This episode did not do a lot for me, but expand on your feelings. Why'd you hate it so much? Well, I, you know, one, I'm glad that, uh, Ophelia was, uh, was bitten because, uh, I wanted that to happen. What? So, uh, what? I was glad that happened, but she died like four seconds before meeting your dad. I think it would have been much, they kind of, they missed it. They, it could have been much more of a powerful moment if they met for 30 seconds before she died kind of thing, instead of just after. You know what? I kind of agree with you because th- I feel like they were going for the, oh my God, that's so sad. She just didn't make it, but it's just as sad or even more so maybe for her to stay alive, to reunite with him just to die anyways. Yeah. You know? So I I kind of agree with you there. I don't think they handled that very well. I think the whole point of that, of course, was to see what it does to Daniel's character. Um, Nothing. Well, (laughs) no. You know, it's like, you get get away from me. You killed my daughter. I don't want to ever see you again. And like four seconds later, he's like, uh, yeah, we're, we're cool. Come on. You can bring your whole crew and come hang out with us at the, uh, at the dam. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one point I thought, uh, you know, you assume it's going to make him go just absolutely even more bonkers and harden him. Right. And he'll be even less, um, able to relate to other people and, and things like that. And he won't want anyone to come to the dam. And you sort of think that's how it's going at first when he's reacting to her death there in the scene with Madison and he points the gun at her and all that kind of stuff. Um, but later on, as you said, towards the end of the episode, it feels like he comes in and he talks to Madison and he's, he's completely softened up and he, 
you know, he says, pack your things, come back to the dam. And she says, okay, but I'm bringing everyone with me. And he says, yeah, well, he doesn't say anything. I think he just nods, but he, he agrees and he says, sure, do whatever you want. So instead of him becoming a real hardened bastard who, who's going to kill everyone, I feel like now he's kind of warmed up and he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And, and he did it in the most uh, condescending, misogynistic way he possibly could. Him not saying you should come with me or you can come with me and actually stay at the dam. He said, pack your bags. You don't belong here. And it just might have might as well have been, you don't belong here, sweetie, or honey, let's go. <laughs> let's take yeah. that caboose back to the, uh, back to the dam. <laughs> no, it was, it was extremely condescending in my mind. Yeah, I guess. I didn't really see it that way at first, but I can see your point. I was just surprised about how he was sort of like, now he's just shrugging his shoulders like, well, whatever, nothing matters anymore. And, and I suppose that's one way he could go, but the sort of path he was on, I didn't really expect that to happen. So uh, I don't know what Daniel is going to be like from here on in, uh, but we'll find out next week. Um, one thing I was thinking, I was thinking about it after, and I do think what I would have almost preferred is for Ophelia to, because he's hugging her, right? Right after she's she's died. If she yep. came back in that moment and bit him, yeah. And then they died together. I mean, I know that sounds cheesy, but then the show has, has, you know, gotten rid of both of these characters. And I think it might've been interesting to see how things played out at the dam without Daniel. Yeah. Or maybe even as, uh, Madison's walking away, you hear two gunshots. Sure. Yeah. Like that's, that would have been great too. And then she turns around in a stunned panic. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, you're right. I just think eliminating both characters at once might've actually been kind of a cool thing for the show just to see where it goes. Instead, we lose Ophelia, which is a character I've really liked. And I was curious to see more with, um, and we end up with sort of limp Daniel <laughs> who's, who's, yeah. who's not gonna be as interesting anymore. He's not even broken really. Well, he doesn't seem like a broken man. Uh, no, he doesn't seem like a broken man. And he seems like a sad man. Like, oh, damn it. I didn't get the Maserati I wanted. I got the Maserati that was there on the lot because I wanted to drive away in a Maserati. I'm so depressed. Yeah, you don't get the Maserati you want. I mean, you're going to be sad, but that's not... It's the wrong color. I didn't get all the options I wanted. It's friggin' automatic, and I wanted a standard. It doesn't have the uh, the 22-inch spinning rims that I wanted, because that's what you got to get on a Maserati, apparently. Life is uh, so you know, hard. It's, it's so sad yeah. when you don't get the Maserati you want. That's what he seems like to me. Right, and that's not interesting, I don't think. I want him to, to be affected by something and i guess he was affected by this but it's made him just kind of go bleh right yeah so you know maybe it was just this episode maybe next week he'll be back to the way he was before but i don't know i i don't see it happening right now but uh you know in, in overall i didn't love this episode either um i did enjoy some of the stuff with alicia i can't say i was into anything that nick and um, Troy were doing, which I'll get into in a little bit. I mean, I know Alicia had some stuff going on, but, you know, Madison, everything she did was show up and it was just taking care of Ophelia and so on. So I don't feel like really she had too much going on here. And that 
that was that. So not my favorite one, but let's let's run through the Alicia stuff first. So she obviously okay. has taken off and uh, at the end of the previous episode, Nick and Troy decide to go after her. Um, but inside of 10 minutes, they've caught up to her, had a conversation, decide to leave her and are back at the trading post. Like, what was the point? I didn't I didn't see it. I felt like they'd be following her secretly for a long time instead uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, they were there and they were gone and that was it. In fact, I even went back to the end of the episode before to to see exactly what uh, Nick said to his mom, Madison. And he told her that he'd go after her to, quote, see she gets where she's going and think of it as a scout to see what else is out there. And I don't feel like they did either of those things. They failed their objective. Right? They just followed her for the to the first night, snuck up on her, almost got shot by her, and then they had this conversation and agreed to just leave her be on her own and and move on. And and just go back to the, the trading post anyways. So It would have been better if they'd just lied about it. They just said fuck it and went to the trading post and said, Yeah, we saw her, she's fine. She's happy even. Well, and I wouldn't the have, whole thing was a lie. I would have been like at least intriguing. Yeah, but I'm not sure I would have understood the point of that either. To me, this felt like there was some big writing story change at the last moment, right? Alicia's going to leave, Nick and Troy are going to go after her, and we're going to have the fucking Three's Company show for a while while these three are off traveling on their own, but then they turned it right around and brought them back immediately. What was the point of them even going after her if they're just going to turn around and come back? So I didn't quite get that. Um... But then Alicia goes on to to meet this other new character, Diana, whom I did find pretty interesting. I think she could be an interesting character. Uh, I imagine she's going to stick around on the show for a little while, and maybe we're going to get the Alicia and Diana show for a while. Uh, like Cagney and Lacey, they're going to solve crimes. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, but a few things about that. So what did you think about the whole on the go burger scene, hiding in the ball pit and stuff like that? Well, uh, finding a sack of potatoes on the top of an air conditioner. It's just like, well, what were the, st- was, what was the staff thinking? Can, can of potatoes. Well, with bucket of potatoes, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, okay, I have this bucket of potatoes. Uh, I have nowhere to store it. Where could I possibly put it on top of the air conditioning unit? Like this building doesn't have friggin' air conditioning units on the ceiling. They just have this one thing uh, above a door for the kitchen. It's mm-hmm. just mean, mean for the kitchen staff because that's not enough. That's not nearly enough, but I guess you can store potatoes on there. That's no problem. Yeah. I, I thought it was dumb. Like, why would you store potatoes up there? What if, are you trying to hide the potatoes? Because apparently that works. Nobody else saw the potatoes. No. They were hiding on top of the air conditioning. So the whole potato thing was annoying. Ball pit... <laughs> I, I, I couldn't take it seriously. It was a little too Jaws. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the only thing mildly interesting is that uh, they got to kill another little girl. Yeah, that's true. Now this show has done that too. Good point. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was the only thing that caught me there. Well, was, I didn't. Uh, I didn't hate the ball pit stuff, uh, although I, you know, my first thought when she slid down into it is, you better check those balls. You don't know who's yeah. under there. Always check the balls. Always check the balls. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, and then when she's in it, and I did kind of like this, this scene 
as she as man or um when alicia's pulled underneath yeah a little bit sort of jawsy and a little bit trash compactory you know in a way oh, yeah yeah uh that's, she's that's cool she's pulled down into the into the balls and has to fight off the the zombie in there you know not bad i thought it was clever but at the same time it was you know i felt like it was the show trying to do something a little different and be unique and so they were like i know guys how about a kid's ball pit and we'll put a zombie in there and someone jumps into it and doesn't know the zombie's there um uh, stretching. It's, it's like the writing staff went out to lunch the McDonald's and they're like, whoa, we could set a whole scene in here. Yeah. How would we do that? That'd be great. Looking for food. We'd find food. What kind of food do you need here? Potatoes. Yeah. Or a ball pit. And Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And you can see that mindset going into it. Right. And uh, I don't want to complain about it too much because it was kind of a cool scene when Diana comes in and you don't really get a good view of her and she's pickaxing all the zombies and stuff. That was kind of fun. And so, you know, there were some good things about it. And, you know, I do applaud the show for trying to do something different, something a little bit unique. Uh, but at the same time, kind of a bit, I don't know, just goofy in a way, right? You ever swing a pickaxe? Yeah. They're heavy. I know you, it's hard. It, it, <laughs> I, I was thinking she's the strongest person ever. It, That's the only thing I can think of. She's, uh, she's friggin' the mountain strong. Well, she is, uh, or Jason Moana or whatever his name is. Friggin' Aqualung guy. What's his name? Yeah. Aquaman. Aquaman. She's that kind of strong to be able to swing that pickaxe the way she did. Well, I, amazing. I was thinking that too. Like that's a, a good weapon, but only against one zombie because. Only against rocks. Like or Jesus <laughs> <laughs> against rocks. Yeah. Use a little shovel. That'd be a lot better. Maybe still looked kind of cool, but I do agree. Like that's a heavy weapon for that swinging that thing around that much. Um, uh, and then, you know, Alicia catches up with, with Diana to get her, her potatoes back. And after initially kind of being at odds, they seem to have become friends and maybe we'll be hanging out together for a little while. And I do, I must admit, this character seems interesting because she seems very strong and independent and has seen some shit, you know, and I think maybe we'll be able to teach Alicia about surviving a little bit as they go on, you know, uh, on her own. So I'm, I am curious to see where it goes, I'm curious to see what the show does with her and if, if those two stay together for a while. Um, but at one point, I got to ask you a question here. At one point, Alicia mentions when Diana asks her where she's going or something like that. Alicia says that she's on her way to a place in the low desert with water and game. Yep. And that sounds like the dam, you know, water, low desert. I mean, if she was going north, uh, I don't know exactly what low desert means, if that's a region or if that's a term for the southern half of a desert. I don't know. Well, I don't, I, who knows? I mean, the Death Valley is a low desert and that's like one of the hottest places on earth. But what does that mean? Like, like altitude low, like sea level low or, or like just, you know, lower on, on the map. Like you say, you go. I, th I think altitude wise. I think okay. if it was, uh, you know, if it was uh, directional, she would say the Southern desert or I'm going to the Eastern desert. Right. I'm going to the, the Westlands. Well, kind of thing. she said she has a tip on a place or something like that in the low desert with water and game. So water and animals to hunt. Uh, yep. but I don't know what that means because I don't know how much information she got about this place Jake suggested 
and I thought that's where she was trying to to get to, but I don't know. So maybe that's the place. Maybe she drew him or he drew her a map. Yeah, maybe. But we're gonna go here. This is the map of the place, and she's like, "Oh, that's a great map. That's wonderful. I'm gonna try and memorize that." And then, uh, and then now she's going there. Maybe, but I couldn't help but think she's referring to the dam, (laughs) and she's changed her mind all of a sudden, and she's going to go there now. And which makes me think even more: what's the point of having her? strike out on her own for a little while other than to hide in a ball pit, find some potatoes and meet up with Diana. Yeah. It would be uh, ironical if she was uh, heading off on her own and ended up in the same place as the rest of her family. But maybe that's enough. Maybe they just needed her to meet Diana and she's going to bring Diana with her and she becomes an important character. And her bag of fingers. Her bag of fingers and who eventually leaves and ends up on the main show. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> I didn't think of that until just now. Yeah, but With her sack of fingers, because she's going to collect a lot more fingers between now and then. Right. And then she's going to meet a guy who was collecting ears for a little while, and yeah. they're going to have a love connection. They could make a whole zombie with the parts that they're collecting. They sure. From different zombies, like uh, just a weird Frankensteinian zombie. Would that work? Could you take like a whole bunch of parts of different zombies and get them to work together? As a single other zombie? No, I don't think so. You could you could take a working zombie head and brain and yeah. like attach a bot attach it to a new body, but I don't think you're connecting up like the nervous system and stuff. Would the zombie arm like say you had a zombie arm, would it would wouldn't still move, right? No, that doesn't have the okay, so you need, you still need the brain. Right. So it'd be like a zombie brain transplant. If you could yeah, I'm not sure that would work. Somebody's got to try it. Some, There's got to be some freak out there trying it. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> there is. bring it into the show. Bring it into the comic. Put it in a video game. I don't care. I want to see that. Put it in. Let's talk to uh, Jay Bonansinga. Get him to write it into one of his stories. Oh, we could do that. I'll see him in Atlanta. I'll ask him about it. <laughs> yeah, zombie, uh, zombie Frankenstein's monster. Perfect. Zombie yeah, love Frankenstein. It. All right. I want a writing credit. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Or at least a thanks. Uh, sure. Or, you know, be a character in the book. That would be fun. Cool. Yeah. Well, guy, though. Um, anything you, any thoughts you have on, on Diana or where they're going to go with this or, or what you thought of this character? Uh, no, not really. I thought it was very kind of, other than the, uh, you know, making rings out of teeth, uh, which was really quite gross. Uh, I didn't find this compelling even a little bit. Hmm. I see. I think she could be an interesting character, but we don't really know yet. Um, the thing about the rings and the jewelry or whatever she's making, like you got to think she's doing that to uh, as as a product to sell at this trading post for other supplies, yeah. maybe. So I also feel like she, if nothing else, is going to drag Alicia back around to the trading post, anyways, because that's kind of where she's on her way to. So. It it does feel like the whole thing was just a ploy to get this character introduced onto the show for some reason. Um, and uh, it could be a really good reason. Like maybe she'll be our favorite character this time next year. We don't know, but um, that's where it's at right now. So cool. We will see. All right. Let's talk about Madison a little bit. She seems to spend most of this episode smuggling injured Ophelia into the trading post, yep. trying, trying to keep her, her alive. Um, Strand, of course, when they got there, isn't happy about any of this. 
And he points out that, you know, Daniel's not going to be happy when they show up with dead Ophelia and no real need to make a deal for water anymore. But Walker advises Madison to, you know, do it. And even if it gets them killed, he says it's worth to bring her back, even if it's dangerous. I don't know whose side I fall on here. I do think it's, I, I do applaud Madison for at least trying, for trying to get Ophelia to her father. I mean, Madison's all about family. And she's trying to bring this family back together. Um, and I do think it would have worked uh, well, it worked out for everybody if she'd been successful. But as we already talked about, Ophelia died three seconds before her dad showed up. So something else went down. Um, but, uh, you know, the one bit I did really like is just before Ophelia dies, Madison's talking to her and uh, she talks about how you spend your whole life trying to be one thing to your children. Um, but they end up kind of knowing the real you anyway. And I thought that was a, I don't know. I thought that was a nice sort of sentiment kind of in a way. I'm not even sure she meant it in kind of a nice way, but, uh, it does seem clear that the show has been portraying that as well. You know, I think Madison realized that she's been trying to, to be one thing to her children all this time, but her children sort of know her for who she really is anyways. And that's played out in the fact that Alicia had to leave because she didn't believe her mother could protect her anymore. And, you know, Nick did the same thing last season and, uh, all sorts of things like that. So she was a little bit speechifying the theme of the show, but it was okay. I didn't, I didn't mind that little bit there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was all right. <laughs> yeah um but at the very end of the episode i think the most important scene for madison happened at the very end and it's when they're getting in the trucks to go back to the dam and nick comes out and he says no you know i'm gonna stay here and uh, i'll be your man on the inside right is what his excuse yeah. is for staying um I just got the feeling that at that moment, Madison just had sort of given up because she didn't even try to talk him into coming. She just said, I don't give any more fucks about you guys. I'm yeah. going to this dam and you stay here. And it, that seemed like a pretty big change for her um, because every other time she would have told him he's crazy and he has to come with them and they have to stay together. Yeah, it was very much a departure, and she might have given up, much like uh, Salazar, but uh, yeah, it seemed a bit out of character, and and uh, I think Nick just wanted, like, he's obviously sticking around for the drugs, right? I guess so. I mean, what other reason could there be? You know, he's he's eaten the brainstem of somebody, and... Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to that, but... Sure. <laughs> yeah, Uh yeah, it's, it did seem out of character for me because the, you know, the theme of Madison for, you know, three seasons now is protect your kids, protect your family, uh, do whatever it takes to protect your family. And all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, she's leaving. Well, go check on her. And then, okay, so she's fine. And you're going to stay here too? Fine, whatever. All her kids are now scattered to the wind. Her husband's dead and she's off with, uh, you know, off to the dam with Walker, uh, her new, uh, her new boyfriend, mm -hmm. I assume. I just, I just assume. Well, I, but, but see, I think, I think that's okay. Uh, the change in her character here, because, you know, you can't, you can only do so much. I think she's realizing that. And that's, 
that's what the conversation with Ophelia was about. She's saying that I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to be one thing for my children, but I, I can't always do that. And they know that. And I have to, uh, you know, maybe try something else for a little while, or I have to let them be their own people and do their own thing. So I think that's where Madison is at now. And I think that's okay because I think that's a development in her character and we might see a different side to her, you know, maybe next week. And of course in season uh, four, so out of character maybe, but I, but I think it's a, it's an evolution of the character for her. And it, it was brought to light by, you know, that conversation with Ophelia and how she didn't survive. And because Ophelia said, I wanted to get to know my father better. And uh, Madison's whole argument is, you know, don't worry, you did know your father. Children always know their parents. So I, I think it was kind of a big scene at the end for her to just say, fine, stay here. She was kind of, she was a little bit harsh about it, but I don't think she's used to this feeling yet. And that's kind of why it came out that way, right? You can't just dismiss somebody's feelings. It's like, I would, I wanted to get my, get to know my father a little better. Well, your, your thoughts are stupid and your emotions are irrelevant because you're, uh, you probably already knew him well enough. It's just mean, you well, know, accept yeah. what people are saying. I understand, but she, <laughs> she, I don't think she was trying to say that. She was just trying to say, you may not think you knew him, but you did. And she was trying to make her feel better. And ultimately, you're absolutely, you're, all your thoughts and feelings are wrong, by yeah, the way. And that should make you feel better. Yeah. Uh, but the main thing is she said that out loud and realized it about herself, right? And then Nick, and then Alicia's gone, and Nick is, you know, staying. So she's like, what can I do? I just got to take care of number one for a while. You, you don't get to know your parents. You don't you, think you so? You really don't. Well, like, you, like I'm glad I never got to know my mother as, uh, I love my mom and I think she's a great person, but you know, I didn't know her as, her, as a complete person. Like she was a bit of a party girl in her twenties and thirties. <laughs> I didn't know her like that. And that's fine. Of course. Right? But I mean, you do know her, you know, for, for her for what she really is. I mean, you know, her true opinions on things, probably, you know, what I kind know of. I know her as a parent. I don't know her as like, she's a complete person, right? She's an absolutely of whole course. complete person. Of I course. don't know that whole person and I don't think I ever could. It's just not something that is possible. Well, the other thing you can do, Jason, is look into yourself because one thing I've realized in life is that no matter how hard you try to not be like your parents, to a large degree you turn out like them anyways oh yeah absolutely i've leaned into that that that's not a problem all right so if you know yourself you have a pretty good understanding of your parents i think yeah but i don't think i completely know my parents well i guess not but but the point is you know i think you can only uh, uh as a parent or as a child you can only pretend so much because your family does know you pretty well and uh that's what I think Madison has taken away from all of this, right? She's like, I can't always make them do what I want to do or what I think is best. And if Nick wants to stay, he's going to stay. And if Alicia wants to go, she's going to go. True. I think that's what the realization she came, came to in that scene. Um, and I think, well, that'll play out as the, as the show goes on. All right. Nick and Troy's drug trip, Jason. Um, I'm not a 
drug using person, never really have been, so I don't have that side to my personality. But this whole thing did nothing for me. It was a waste of airtime, in in my opinion. Can you can you explain to me? And I don't want to dismiss it. I don't want to sound dismissive because maybe there was a lot to take away from this that I just don't understand. But can you explain to me what the point of all of that was? The point is that uh, Nick is an addict and he always will be an addict. And the only reason he uh, is a recovering addict up until this point was lack of access. Uh, The only... the best thing in this whole episode, the absolute best thing was that as soon as he sat down and saw the pill, he just took it. He just, he just popped it in his mouth and swallowed it. There was no real, uh, you know, heartache about it. There was no real thought about it. It was just, he's an addict and given the opportunity, he will take drugs. That's what he does. And that's what he does. And once you, and, and, and an addict is not someone, I think, I think it was out of the West Wing. Uh, one of the characters was a recovering alcoholic. He said, "Don't you, somebody asked him, don't you think you can ever have a drink? It's like, no, it's not the problem. Having a drink is not the problem. I don't want a drink. I want 10 drinks. Mm-hmm. I want 50 drinks. Uh, so taking, and then once you get into that slippery slope, uh, you know, taking that one pill, it's just like, okay, now my entire uh, reason for being is now uh, altered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is all I want to do. And that from the rest of, for the rest of the episode, it is, uh, his addict coming out and just see all he wants to do now is seek and take drugs. You know what though? The, the problem I have with that is I would buy it if there had been any indication of that part of his character in the last season. Pretty much, you know, he was an addict in season one. They dealt with it. He went through some uh, withdrawal and he did have to deal with it. Then it seemed like he kind of got over it. It hasn't been a thing for pretty much all of season two, all of season three until right now. And I understand what you're saying, but um, why didn't we see him struggling with his lack of access to anything like this for so long? Because... I feel like he should have been, or he would have been, and it would have af- affected everything he did if he's that much of an addict. Not necessarily. Well, I mean, I, if he was dealing with it and, uh, you know, at the beginning, uh, when he, he was white knuckling and he was just like, uh, trying to get over it, yeah. but then, you know, maybe he's working through all this stuff, but, uh, everybody has triggers, right? Right. And I guess one of his triggers is having some kind of, uh, you know, drug in his hand. Well, it's just like, like you said that access to it, right? You said access, but I just wish we saw more of the struggle with it. It just seemed like it to me, I didn't think it was ever going to come back on the show. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm not really qualified to talk about this sort of thing because I've never had that, that uh, sort of thing be a part of my life. You know, I don't know what it's like for someone to be addicted to something in that way. Um, so, so I, I, I do feel like I'm not entirely qualified to talk about it, but in terms of a TV show, if there's this kid who had a serious drug addiction problem, they did go through some sort of depiction on the show of him dealing with it and trying to kick it. Um, and then it disappeared for a long time and now it's back again. Maybe that's totally realistic. And 
you know, people let me know. And, and, you know, if, if that's your personal experience or you have experience with someone else in a similar situation, totally let me know. And I also understand if it's absolutely different for everybody, because I'm sure it is. It, it is. Yeah. But the only thing I've ever been addicted to is cigarettes. And it's the only thing I've ever, I've ever known that if I have a single drag from a single cigarette, that's it. I will be smoking for the rest of my life. Right. But you've, since you quit, you've been in rooms with cigarettes and you've been around people that have smoked and you've chosen not to do it. And that's what I mean. Like you were able to have a cigarette right there and not pick it up and smoke it. Nick wasn't able to have those pills beside him and not pick them up and eat them. Well, there's a very big difference between, you know, smoking cigarettes and a hardcore drug addiction. Sure. Right? There's like, there's a huge difference and there's, there's triggers. Like there's, um, I'm absolutely positive. I'm absolutely 100% positive that there are triggers out there for me that will cause me to start smoking again. Mm-hmm. And they're probably all traumatic in nature and, uh, they would all be absolutely horrifying. Uh, but my there's a part of my brain that's like someday something horrifying is going to happen and i can start smoking again <laughs> jeez well number one i hope not yeah me too and but some there's a part of my brain that is like okay someday i will have the excuse to start smoking again and it's absolutely it's just very disturbing thought to have because the, that that trigger for me is going to be a horrifying event in my life mm. it's got to be right uh but it's there and it's not an everyday, like I don't think about it on a daily basis, smoking cigarettes. Uh, sometimes, some days are worse than others, but, uh, you know, I've been able to go 10 years without having a single drag. I still dream about smoking and I feel both elated and depressed when that happens. Like, ah, oh, shit, I started smoking again and I wake up, oh crap, it was only a dream. Mm-hmm. So that, that's great. But, uh, I liked the fact that it has been... Like we all know that he's a drug addict and that it's been underlying and that the, as soon as he had a pill in his hand, he popped it. Yeah. I like that because that, uh, that's, that's an addictive personality. That's the, well, I think it's a misnomer to say addictive personality, but that's an addict, uh, you know, uh, responding, responding like an addict would. Yes. You know, Hey, look, holy shit. That's a pill. I know what that, because he knows what drugs are, right? What they all are. Of course. Holy shit. I know what this will do to me. That's blink. And then as soon as you get that first pill and that high, you're like, okay, let's go find some more. So the way this is going to go all off the rails for me even more is if he's not actually staying there for the drugs or if the drugs don't come up again (laughs) in the show. Because I I feel like they have to now, right? They made such a point of him doing this and dragging Troy into it as well. You know, making Troy do the drugs. Um, If... If it's not a thing for Nick now, um, then I'm, I'm going to see the point of this even less at this point in the show. Uh, but, you know, I, there's, there's also a few things I don't really understand about how everything played out. And uh, one of those is why did, when they went to find that bartender who had the pig's glands, as he called them, or he said, let's say they're pigs. <laughs> let's, let's say they're pigs. Yeah. yeah. Why did he give them to them for free? Because he wants to get them addicted and so they'll come back and pay the next time? That's what drug dealers do. You get that first try is free. Yeah, I guess so. After that, that's where they get you. It's the same thing as buying razors, which you're lucky you don't buy razors. No, I don't. Because, you know, buying the, uh, buying the, 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 
the, the initial razor set is very cheap. Mm-hmm. Then you got to keep buying razors after that. Well, it's the same with the ink cartridges and the printer, right? Yeah. Their printer's cheap. The ink, the ink is expensive. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Um, one thing I did sort of like about it was the way they shot it. However, it bothered me that they were inconsistent in the filming style. You know how, so they did like the blurry effect and stuff like that on the camera to indicate that he was high, I guess. Yep. Uh, my problem was, and maybe this is a stupid thing, but my problem was sometimes it was blurry when the camera was pointed at Nick and sometimes it was blurry when it was pointing away as if we were seeing his perspective. And I feel like it would have made more sense if it was all blurry and shaky when we were seeing Nick's perspective, because, you know, think about looking out of his eyeballs. But I, yeah, his eyeballs would be blurry. Right. But when the camera's pointing at him, why did we have the sort of drug effect then, too? I didn't, I didn't. Maybe we're also high. Like that. Maybe we also got some uh, mythical, what was it? Some kind of adrenaline gland? Yeah, it was the brain stem full of pure adrenaline because Nick needed an upper, right? So that's that's how it was described. That can't be a real thing, right? Like they just invented this bullshit for this show. I, I would assume. I would assume. I don't know that you can eat the brain stem of a pig or otherwise. I, don't I mean, know. you can take adrenaline, right? Like you can inject yourself with adrenaline and oh, yeah. I'm sure that's fun and everything, but I don't think it'd get you like wicked stoned. I think it'd be like, holy shit, I feel like hurdles a let's just go bucks. and jump some hurdles for an hour <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe the combination with the other drugs the pain drugs he was taking you know it, who knows who knows what it would do nick seems to know what he's doing so he would know i've had some you know adrenaline highs that were a lot of fun but i wasn't stoned right right well i don't know i i'm not sure i'm sure someone out there can enlighten us a little bit um but it all culminates in nick and troy jumping over the fence going out onto the road, putting on the stench coat so that they can walk together into a big crowd of zombies. So he didn't forget about it for long. Um, and I think that Nick delivered one of the worst lines in this scene of the entire series. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I do not. Well, actually. He, he puts on the, the blood on his face and he puts it on Troy's face and, you know, Troy is freaking out because he doesn't know what's about to, to happen here. And Nick, he says, you got to walk quiet, stare at the space between atoms. I'm like, that is so stupid. <laughs> Nobody says that. And then to top it all off, he says, you got to walk quiet and then turns around and runs full speed towards the zombies. Oh yeah, they were so dead. Like they didn't act like zombies. They acted like uh, a couple of high teenagers going to church, right? Yeah, like, pretending quiet, not to be high. Shh, quiet, quiet. They could hear quiet. Shh. <laughs> you know, obviously everybody in the church knows you're fucking stoned, buddy. Yes. Uh, so yeah, they're walking into a deadly situation and uh, not. Acting like zombies. No. And, and to top it all off, what, they have like a little bit of blood smeared on their face? You know, yeah. at least before Nick would have a blood-soaked tank top and he'd have gore all over his face and his arms and stuff. But like he says to him, like, spread it on thick. But he, they don't spread anymore on. They just put a little on their face and, and then they walk in and that's enough, apparently. So this whole thing I thought was total BS. And um, 
I didn't like it at all. I didn't really get the point of it. And at the end, the very end, when Nick starts to sort of cry and the two guys are hugging, Nick is saying, I can't go back. I can't go back with her. And I, and I guess he means he can't leave with his mother. He needs to stay here because of the drugs. Uh, well, I assume so, but he's never been to the dam, so I don't know what he means by going back. Yeah, I didn't understand the line either, to be honest. It, it didn't seem to make any sense to me, other than the ramblings of a crazy dude, but I don't know. I, it's, uh, either make, maybe they were, what? Maybe they were so stoned that there were no zombies. Oh, it was all imagined. It was all in their head. Yeah. Shh, be quiet. And maybe they killed an actual person. And spear, smeared their blood on them. Didn't even know they committed the murder. Well, so next week is going to start with them standing on an empty street hugging. Yeah, we just, we have, uh, well, yeah. And then, then the next shot, they were uh, uh, all cleaned up. It was the next day, right? So they, I assumed that they slept together and had a shower together in the morning, had a nice <laughs> breakfast and then went to meet uh, Madison. And Nick put on that sweet sweater he was wearing the next morning. Yeah. So I, I, that's what I assumed happened. It was... There's no zombies. Maybe it wasn't even uh, blood and stuff. Maybe it was, uh, I don't know, they smeared themselves in dirt and said, oh, now we're all dirty. Shh, let's go take a shower. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, you can. They're stoned. They're an unreliable narrator. Could have been anything. And you can feel the, 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 you can feel the relationship building between those two, to be quite honest. You know, I mean, yeah. every scene they're in together, they, they seem at least like best friends. And oh, if, yeah, they are the two best friends that anybody could have. A friggin' psychopathic madman and a uh, drug drug addict. And maybe more. I don't know. So it's, I'm, I'm curious as to where that's going at least, but the whole drug trip, I didn't, I didn't buy it at all. I didn't get it. So. Yeah, I really dislike this storyline. Like, I like the fact that the drug addict part of Nick came back and reared its ugly head because it would have been annoying for me. Well, I could, in retrospect, at the end of this show, if they had not mentioned his drug addiction again, I would have been disappointed. Okay. So I'm, well, I'm kind of glad they got that out of the way. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But I just hope it sticks around now. You can't just make him a drug addict once in a while, every three seasons when it's convenient, you know, do it and do it full on. And if he recovers, he recovers. But you know, don't just drop it in when it, it seems like they need to fill the hour <laughs> to, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Because what happened? Alicia did her thing. Madison was doing the Ophelia thing and they're like, Oh God, we need another 20 minutes to this episode. I know we'll do a 20 minute drug trip with Nick and Troy. Uh, yeah. so that'd be a perfect bookend to the McDonald's, uh, fight that somebody thought up while going for lunch. Yeah, that's right. We'll do a ball pit fight and a drug trip. Okay, one other thing before we wrap up on this episode is Strand. There's a scene where he's walking around uh, the place, the um, the trading post, whatever it's called, uh -huh. and he gets captured by some guys and he tells them he wants to go see Proctor John and he says he has something he wants, something I can give him, um, which we don't know what that is, I don't think. Sex. And <laughs> probably not. But what the hell is Strand doing here? He Is he going to betray them somehow and say, Proctor John, I know where this dam is full of all this water. Um, let's talk. Or what, what's he doing? Because at the end of the episode, he doesn't seem to be like captured anymore. He comes out and he leaves with them. So 
I'm wondering, did he convince those guys to let him go speak to the proctor? Has he already spoke to Proctor John? Is is Strand doing something sneaky on the side that we don't know about yet? Okay, so there's a couple of things going on here. So okay. uh, I can answer all your questions, uh, but I have a question of my own. Sure. My question is, uh, I thought when Strand was here last and was able to leave that Madison had bought him out of whatever debt he was in. So why are these guys mad at him? Um, that's true. Madison bought him out of the debt with the gold that they were going to trade. Yep. Uh, these guys, I don't think are mad specifically at him. I think, uh, I think Strand was wandering towards the, whatever, towards the, um, wherever Proctor John spends his time. And these guys are kind of like his guards. Oh, I see. And so they were just saying, nope, can't go in there. And that's why Strand was suggesting that I have something I need to talk about, something I need to give him, let me through. So these are the pig guys at Jabba's Palace. These are the Gamorians at Jabba's Palace. That's right. Right. Gamorian guards, yeah. What about that other guy with the long, uh, the head braids? That's Twi'lek. Twi'lek. Thank yes. you, Chris. I kind of knew that you would know that. There you go. Uh, or at least the the door eyeball. What was his name? Oh, the eyeball in the door. I don't know. I don't know He's that He's got to have a name. It sticks right out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, okay. So these are the Gamorrean guards. Uh, okay. So that makes more sense. I thought maybe they were mad at him for whatever reason. I thought they were uh, uh, no you know, somebody trying to get Han Solo back to Jabba the Hutt. No, I think they were just the first line of defense for Proctor John. But what I'm curious about is we didn't see what happened after Strand yeah. said, I have something important for him. So I'm wondering, did Strand get through and talk to him? And now is he working a side deal of some kind? Okay. So I think maybe he did uh, get through and talk to Proctor John, but I don't, I think if it is a side deal, it's a side deal that he and Madison had cooked up and potentially Walker. I don't think he's doing something against Madison. I hope not because that would really piss me off because they're so close or they seem so close, you know? Yeah. Um, hopefully he's working on something, whether Madison knows or not, I hope Strand is working on something that is supposed to benefit those you know team team madison well uh he hmm strand doesn't like salazar right nope he does not like salazar so maybe uh strand is doing this in cahoots with madison to screw over daniel salazar and the uh and the damn people because uh, um, Madison's just like, she was going to show up there and live at the dam out of the, you know, the benevolent good heart of Daniel Salazar. Uh, maybe Madison, you know, it seems like a little thin for Madison to try and uh, uh, live with. So maybe she's working uh, a different angle so that uh, she can ensure her status as a uh, survivalist, being mm-hmm. able to survive with a consistent supply of water. And other stuff like uh, whatever else they have at the trading post. Yeah. That's... I assume it's books and, you know, a Kindle and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they have all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I could see iPads that. with TV shows on it. Oh my God. Great, wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be amazing. We have no way to You'll charge watch, these. watch but... uh, friggin' uh, Game of Thrones all over again. Here's an iPad with the entire Game of Thrones run on it. <laughs> uh, well, I think you might be onto something here. Uh, you know, but I'm not so sure that Madison is in on it. If Strand is doing something, I think he thinks he's going to make things better for everyone and it's to, it'll be to their benefit. 
but I don't know that Madison is in on it. Be, and, and I think that because you, you reminded me that Strand and Salazar are not good friends at this point. So I have a feeling Strand might be trying to involve Proctor John to screw over Daniel somehow and take over this dam. But I believe in Strand. I believe he's a stand-up guy. You know, I had my doubts at the beginning of season one, but they're all gone now. I believe in him. I believe in him being, uh, you know, completely on the up and up and on the same side as Madison. Right. So I can't believe that he's doing it against Madison. No, not against Madison. I think he's doing it against Daniel. And he may not even realize that Daniel Salazar has kind of lost his edge a little bit. And, uh... He might not need to do anything against him to take over that dam at this point. So Strand might be kind of acting out of turn here, you know? Uh, okay. That, I have a hard time swallowing that, but I guess I can accept it provisionally. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling, you know, a lot of this might come up next week before the end of the season, uh, season three, we got a double episode next week, so we'll have to find out, but. We'll see then. Um, Otherwise, though, yeah, other than sort of meeting Diana and a little bit of the stuff with Alicia, otherwise, I was not a huge fan of this episode, and I'm hoping it's just kind of the uh, misstep before the amazing season finale next week. Yeah, this this was, I was very disappointed in this episode. I did like it better the second time I watched it, though. That often... Mildly. Yeah, that often happens to me too, I must admit. But this one, I don't think the sort of rewatch increase in my enjoyment of it was quite as much as it it often is. So, yeah, just not my favorite. But uh, if you... And they really didn't need to come up with a new drug based on adrenaline and brain stems. Like, for God's sakes, just take some heroin. Well, he, he does pull out the box of like every imaginable drug in the world. He says we have heroina, cocaina, yep. uh, something other ina. Amphetamina. Amphetamina, yeah. <laughs> I did think it was funny how they all sort of rhymed. <laughs> well, they do, of course. I guess, but uh, you're right. They didn't need to invent something new, I don't suppose, but. Yeah. Maybe, just, maybe know, it's not. Maybe that's a real thing. Maybe people. Take an opiate. Well, he wanted to get up, right? He yeah. He didn't want to go, you know, get down and get mellow. So fucking cocaine there buddy it's right there he said so yeah well uh i don't know it's they wanted to go a different route or maybe eating the brainstem of pigs is a real thing i don't know god i hope not yeah me too take some mushrooms or do some uh what do you call that stuff lsd there's lots of options out there yeah you don't have to take a friggin amphetamine 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 something Whatever. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Anyways. All right. uh, If you've got any other opinions on this episode, let us know. Send in your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Before we wrap up, I do want to do just a couple of quick uh, additional listener uh, feedback right here. I'm going to play this again. Listener feedback. All right. Uh, Really quick here. uh, Old friend designer Will in Brooklyn wrote in and said, though I think Troy should 100% absolutely have been killed by now. Perhaps Nick is keeping him around because he doesn't feel directly threatened by him. Nick and Troy share the same self-destructive tendencies. So maybe there's relatability there. Lastly, now there aren't many left from the ranch. I think Nick would potentially keep him around as a bit of company. If Troy's gone, who would Nick hang out with? 
I have to believe that loneliness in the apocalypse is a big reason to keep somebody alive. And while I agree with that, in theory, Nick has his whole family, and he seems to pull away from them a fair bit, but lately, he's kind of been there with his mom until the very end of this episode. So it's not like Nick has nobody to hang around with. He already went off on his own in season two, did the solitary thing, and I think worked through it. So if he's keeping Troy alive just to have a buddy, I don't know. Troy should abs 100% absolutely have been killed by now, as designer Will originally said. <laughs> yeah, well, and, it's also not very good to not keep somebody alive if you don't want them as a buddy. Um, right? Yeah. The, the flip side of that is to, you know, to kill him. Like, I, you know, I, I have enough friends, so I'm going to kill you. Right. <laughs> I'm glad that's not how the world works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's I'm like, just keeping you alive because I'm kind of lonely and I don't want to, you know, exclusively hang out with my mom. <laughs> right. That's, Therefore, you may live. That's it. Yes. Uh, one more quick email here. Matt in uh, Lindenwald, New Jersey, another longtime listener, writes... This back half of season three, you know what, and this is a little more general on the back on the second half of, of season three. And I, I thought I'd throw it in here now just before the season finale, um, because who knows what's going to go on there. But I thought this was interesting. Matt says the back half of season three has been weird for me. The episodes overall aren't bad and have some great moments, but the overarching storyline doesn't do it for me. I'm speaking of the terrible decisions, like the ones Jason has mentioned, and the lack of characters I want to root for. Having Madison look at the ruined ranch and say, this could have worked, annoys the hell out of me. It was working great until she came along. Madison and Nick covering for Troy left and right makes me hate them. Basically, uh, or Nick basically just killed Jake to keep Troy alive, as Troy was actively bringing a herd to the ranch for the sole purpose of killing everyone. Then he covers for him when talking to Alicia. Hell, covering for Troy murdering that family earlier this season was just as bad. The biggest bright spot uh, for me has been Alicia, both character and actress-wise. She's the only uh, real, pure, good character left. Though Victor hasn't done anything terrible that I can remember either, those two are the only ones I root for on this show. Nick was in that category until he killed Jake. I think all the actors do a great job, but the characters are too unlikable for me and there are too many dumb choices. So what I found interesting there is that Matt is having trouble liking or, or getting on board with any of the characters because they're all so unlikable. Yeah. <laughs> and I do kind of agree with them. I absolutely agree that the bright spot of season three has been Alicia. Alicia Debnam Carey has done a great job. Um, despite her taking off on her own last week, I love almost everything they've done with her character, but it is hard to like Nick or Madison or Walker or, or anybody on this show. Um, and I can sort of feel that too, a little bit. So, you know, maybe it's not that surprising that people aren't latching onto this show as much because it's harder to identify and get on board with some of these characters. Yeah, I can see that uh, that perspective, for sure. You know, I mean, do you do you have any? Is there any character besides Alicia that you really think is a is a likable human being that that you you know want to hang out with? I like Walker. 
I think he's uh, yeah. he's pretty good. He's good. I don't think he's done like he's a he's a dastard done dastardly things. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I can uh, I can identify with him. I can I can latch on to on to Walker. He's kind of a I, you know fuck this I'm taking my ball and going home kind of guy. But uh, as long as as long as you can, I'm trying not to say play with this ball. Uh, as long as you can, uh, you know, not make him mad and want to leave and or kill you, then uh, I think he's he's pretty pretty good guy. Yeah, but even he was pretty relentless in his um, desire for Otto to be killed. And I know that that that's a, a long history involving a lot of different things unrelated to the zombie apocalypse, of course. Um, yeah. But still, he was unable to forgive him for, for, for anything and wouldn't rest until he was dead. So, you know, he's got his, his dark side as well, I guess. But um, I don't know. I It all comes back to Troy. Everyone thinks Troy should be dead, but he's just hanging on. And he, he's hanging on because the characters that we are supposed to, uh, I don't know, identify with on this show are letting him live despite all of the things he's done. And that's, I think what some people, including Matt are struggling with. Yeah. You know, myself included a little bit. Um, but not Maybe Alicia. Nick will get him killed. Maybe by accident, Nick will get him killed. That'll be even worse. Cause then he's just trying to save him and he accidentally gets him killed. Like Nick Madison, everybody had a reason to kill Troy and nobody would take it. Um, and you know, I'm not saying it should be easy to kill a dude, but some of the things he's done, man, you know, yeah, it's hard to, hard to, uh, justify keeping him around. So anyways, that is it for now. Thank you so much, everyone. Of course, next week is the big two hour finale. I kind of wish Thanksgiving was next week, Jason. So we had Monday off and we could have spent all day, you know, watching the double episodes a few times and so on. You um, should take Monday off and eat turkey again and just pretend. Oh, that would be a great idea. A really great idea. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I got a lot going on at work these days. But, All right, fine. Uh, Make a ham. I don't care. Okay, I'll take the day off eat a ham. Good good times. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyways, that just means it's going to be a late Sunday night next week, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to cram it in somehow, so... Uh, that's coming up next week, though. In the meantime, uh, thank you for tuning in to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, please send uh, your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, and click on the send voicemail button to uh, send us a message. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead, or follow us on Twitter at talkingdead. Um, that's going to do it. If you'd like to use our Amazon links when you do your shopping, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. You can shop in the American store, the Canadian store, the British store, and uh, a bunch of other ones too. So that's a cool way to help out the show and it doesn't cost you anything extra when you shop at Amazon. Um, just another quick reminder, and I'll talk about it again next week and the week after, probably, uh, I'll be at Walker Stalker Con. We will be doing a uh, meetup in the Omni Hotel Bar on Saturday, October the 28th, around 6 p.m. I'll probably be there at 6, well into the evening. So, uh, come by anytime and make sure you say hi if you're going to be there. 
And that really does do it for this week. I think we'll see you again in about a week's time. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao.